Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey guys, it's Candace and Kayla and we are directionally challenged. Yeah, we thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. And we do. We're done. No, nope, we don't. <laughs> we don't. We definitely do not. And that's why we drink wine. It, it is. It's why we drink wine. Right, Matthew Kaner? That's absolutely correct. <laughs> that's why I matter in this case. Yeah. <laughs> so we're here in Sherman Oaks, California. We're at an amazing wine bar that is one of our favorite local haunts. Uh, we are at Augustine, which you're a co-owner of. And we decided to kick off... Um, our day with uh, drinking wine at 10 in the morning. 10 a.m. Yes, please. Wine for breakfast. Just how I like it. Yeah. Mel, you were particularly excited. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> I haven't had breakfast. This is going to be a good time. <laughs> no, you really haven't. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Matthew, your job, you are a sommelier. I am. And that is a fancy Word. Word. Which for, I, for. It's in French. 
Okay, perfect. That's another language. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. Everything we ask, we already know, but our listeners just want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not us at all. Right. So the term sommelier, or as it's now known as a four-letter word, psalm, oh, yeah. is uh, a reference to a person who helps you make your wine choices. And that has been kind of changed over time. There's a, a whole certification you can go through. There's been, um, there's a, like a lot of hoopla around the Court of Master Sommeliers becoming a master psalm, master sommelier. They made documentaries about it. There's a TV series and a streaming service good friends of mine have. And the whole thing now is like, are you a psalm? Are you a master psalm? People, you know, it's a question that you get asked a lot. So personally, I don't identify as a sommelier, even though I do that work because I don't do the certification. I don't take, I give, I quit college. I'm fucking done with (laughs) it. I don't take tests, but um, it's an amazing path. People go down to prove they know everything about wine. It's really incredible. Today, can we become like mini saws? Like we, instead of like a full psalm or like a master psalm, just like a mini psalm. We can be mini psalms okay, today. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, I love it. Double four letter words. <laughs> because in order to become, and you, yes, you can start pouring the wine, mm. which what are we starting with? So I was thinking about how to tie everything together. And, you know, here at Augustine, we do some special stuff. So I thought we'd pour our private labels that we have, Ooh. both our Pinot Noir and our Chardonnay. And then to give a little context we're doing kind of like a comparative tasting. This is something we often do in the wine world to give context to why something matters, why something has a place in our marketplace, or even why it's worth learning about. So we're going to taste Chardonnay that we make with our friends at the Scribe Winery in Sonoma. And then we're going to put that side by side with a wine from Chablis. So Chablis is a place. Chablis is on a map. You can go to Chablis. In order to make wine in Chablis, they grow one grape only. It's a white grape. It's called Chardonnay the same grape we make our private label with. So this is what we call an A-B test. This is a comparative. Mm. We're to try a California wine versus kind of the really where it began, where Chardonnay is from in Burgundy. That's the region. Chablis is the, the sub-appellation and a much more famous part of uh, Burgundy as well, where they make very clean, kind of mineral-driven Chardonnay. It doesn't sound like you quit college. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My dad would love to hear you say that. He would love his money back. Shout out to dad. Hey, dad. So Michael. They- <laughs> what up? Shout out to Michael. So they're both made from Chardonnay grapes. These but- are made from the same grapes. So mm-hmm. it's funny. Grapes are kind of like people. Like you guys aren't from L.A., I'm guessing, or if you are. I am. Actually. Oh, you were from. Yeah. Okay. So for those who are not from L.A., I'm sure you know you were a different person when you lived wherever you grew up, wherever Mm -hmm. you went to college. Then you come to L.A., you adapt. You've got different sun exposure. You've got different weather. You've got different surroundings. Grapes are the same. So when a grape grows in its origin, like Chardonnay in Chablis or in other uh, parts of Burgundy, it goes through a certain 365-day-a-year weather pattern. It's got its neighbors. It's got its soil type. But then when Chardonnay is grown in California, where we're sun drunk all the time, you know, it's beautiful. we got the sea spray that happens from the ocean. We've got uh, fog that comes in at, at night, but warm days. Chardonnay acts differently. Same grape, different conditions, totally different wines. So what's the first one we're trying? So on our left is the Augustine private label we did with Scribe. Again, California Chardonnay, Sonoma County, and uh, 2014 vintage. This is actually, we're coming up on the last of it. So we're kind of, we're lucky to get it. Now, this is a very basic question that I already know the answer to, obviously. Okay, you're already sniffing. You're putting your nose into it. What do we smell? When we sniff wine, it's the first step, right? So when you're tasting wine, one thing I want people to kind of keep in mind, you're not looking for anything. You're letting the wine show you first. 
All right. So there's often this um, mentality that like, I have to look for something in a wine. I don't believe that because wine can come from anywhere. High quality wine now with technology and the internet. And you guys have heard of the internet, right? <laughs> we do know what that is. Yes. So if you have a question, any question, the answer is in your iPhone, any question. So imagine how that's demystified winemaking, how if you needed to buy something you couldn't buy before, you can now buy it and make technology help you in the wine world. So what I'm learning as I travel more of the world is that high quality wine can really be made anywhere. And because of that, flaws are going away. So like it's less likely to find a flawed wine than it used to be. So I let the wine speak to me first before I'm looking for something. And so when you dig your nose in, just stop for a second, close your eyes and allow it to show you what it's going to show you. We're going to do that right now. We're going to pause, but still talk. So all of us are tasting now, or rather smelling the wine now. We're probably going to dive in and taste it. Chardonnay, it loves to be um, both fermented and aged in oak barrels. And this has become a bone of contention. Some people like the the concept of like the Orange County Cougar juice, like really <laughs> oaky, buttery. And that's when they call it like an oaky shard. Oaky shardy. <laughs> if you're from Australia, call it shardy. Yeah, shardy. Um, now, as you're doing it, I see you keep spinning your I know. Glass. What's the spinning? Is that yeah. aerating it? So, Does yes. It- you, what you're doing is imagine a bottle of wine that's been aging, in this case, since 2014, 15 in the bottle. It's a bear coming out of hibernation. Its legs Ooh. are asleep. It needs to get the blood flow. I love that. And what you're doing is you're inspiring the wine to come out of its shell by air getting into the wine oh. and opening the wine. And do you, do you do this with whites and reds? Like you do it with every glass? Any wine that I drink, I also have a nervous tick and I just do it. Mm. I do it with water and beer too, which doesn't help. <laughs> but that's just me. I'm weird and eccentric like that. But um, yeah, any wine that you're tasting that you just opened up, whether it be a young wine, an old wine, you do want air to, to get into the wine and influence it to show more of its character. Okay. So what about when you ask someone like, Hey, how does it taste? And they're like, it tastes like white wine. So that just means they have a bit of a limited vocabulary and okay, that's okay. okay. One of the things that I've learned in my wine bars and in the Sorry, world. I just wine, no, look, it's, I'm asking for I'm the not a doctor. Yes. I can't, I can't tell you about surgeries and that's okay. It's not my area of, for, uh, it's not my expertise and my forte. But, um, when wine is something that you don't have a vocabulary in, it's good to listen and ask questions. Right. So in this case, it's a great question. Wine will show you what it wants to show you. And then you've got kind of a Rolodex of your experiences, your flavors you've tasted, places you've been. Memory, sense memory is Mm. really powerful, especially with flavor, uh, whether you taste it, whether you smell something. So what I like to do is I, I smell the wine, I close my eyes, and I let it transport me somewhere that it reminds me of. So when someone says, this tastes like wool, this tastes like apples, this tastes like uh, bubble bath. The answer is never wrong, in my opinion, because it's something that they got transported to. It's an experience they're having that the wine is reminding them of. So my personal opinion, I don't like to influence people and tell them it tastes like this, it tastes like that, smells like this, smells like that. That's why I let the wine speak to you and to you and mm-hmm. to me and to you. It, it's all personal and that's okay. Love that. What about legs? Yes. Thank when you. people are always ZZ like- when- top? Yes. <laughs> what about legs by ZZ Top? No, when um, when people like first they do the the whooshy thing where you like rotate your wine to get the air in it. Now we know it's to aerate the wine and bring the bear out of hibernation. Um, but then when when people all of a sudden like lift it up and go like, mm, check out the legs on this one. So legs are a um, an obvious visual component. So it's something that everyone can see. It's irrefutable. It's there. It's happening. It's gravity. 
what it means, the actual kind of translation is that the wine has viscosity and therefore it's a reference of alcohol. That the, oh. the wine has alcohol, oh. which it's wine, so it has alcohol. And legs are like, so they're the little drip drops when you like move it around. It's like how long the wine takes to get to the, back to the bottom of the glass, really. Right. right. So and- it's not something worth focusing a lot on. It's more like you're marking the viscosity of the wine being higher or lower. Oh. And is higher or lower better? Or, it, you know, it's it's a it's a weird quality thing. It's It's sometimes higher viscosity means good sometimes higher viscosity doesn't mean anything so it's um it's one of those situations that it just depends on what you're looking for what you like if you want a high alcohol wine to get fucked up then higher viscosity is good for you if you like to drink lower alcohol european wines then viscosity of a higher nature is not good for you mm. do you find that american wines have more alcohol and european wines have less so traditionally Wines from kind of the the old guard of Europe have been anywhere from 12 to 13% alcohol. California, again, I mentioned we're sun drunk here. we got a lot of sunlight. Grapes like sun. They like maturity. The higher the ability for a grape to mature on the vine, the higher potential alcohol will be. But there's been a whole movement in California of people trying to go back the other way and harvest earlier plant grapes in places that aren't maybe so warm or so sunny. And because of that, they've been able to dial back the alcohol a little bit. Now, why would you want to do that? <laughs> well, because you want to drink a whole bottle okay. at dinner. Okay. You don't want to get wasted <laughs> on a half You want to remain glass. a lady. Got it. Okay. Well, okay so this is really good. I really like the, our first one. It's very, I already finished mine. Do you guys, do you guys smell anything <laughs> when you smell it? What does it smell like to you? Oh, Candace is gone. Already. I know. My, I already, I already <laughs> drank all mine. So you guys can answer yours. Are there X's in your eyes? <laughs> Whoa. Um, so for me, Chardonnay is something that, you know, it can be a four letter word to some people. It can also be the, I only drink. And then that's the answer. Mm. Chardonnay for me has a place. I like it with lobster. I like it with soup. I like it on a hot day. I like it. I, personally, I'm not a fan of unoaked Chardonnay. It's become a big popular thing in the, in the wine culture to do what they call Enox, use stainless steel. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm personally not into that because Chardonnay likes to live in an oak and breathe. And, um, I'm not a fan of like the oaky buttery style that's really prevalent down in Orange County. But, um, you know, some people love that and marketing and dollars Shout are important. Shout out to Orange County. What up, OC? <laughs> Newport Beach. It's, um, it's, it's a, a kind of a, it's one of those things that will divide a room. You know, Chardonnay will do that. But neither of these are super oaky. And especially with our partners who made this wine for us, they like used oak. They like wine that's or oak barrels that have been used for three, five, seven years. Wow. So what you're doing there is you're letting the wine still live in oak, still breathe, still have that passage of oxygen without imparting the flavors that the barrel brings. Like a new barrel will make a wine taste like oak. It'll make it taste like wood. And some people love that. And that's okay. I prefer to let Chardonnay taste like Chardonnay while still having that passage of oxygen. So that way you get a little bit more mature flavors. The wines aren't so kind of stuck in their, like in a youthful phase, they get a little bit more breath to them. They get a little bit more life. So this one now, again, from 2014, that's five years, six years old. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more mature. It's come along in its evolution and it's not like super fruit forward. It's not super oaky. It's kind of balanced, delicate, a little bit of fruit, a little bit of the kind of, you know, you leave an apple on the, you you take a bite of an apple, leave it on the table and it comes back a little brown. When you Mm -hmm. revisit it, you get a little bit of those kind of qualities. Which I love. That's what I tasted. I like brown, that. brown apple. Mm. <laughs> no, What's I, funny though, I would never, I never buy Chardonnay 
ever. And I'm the total opposite. The only time I want a glass of Chardonnay is if I'm like, it is like ski mountain. What? And I'm having some sort of like pasta, like light fishy pasta Ooh. meal. And it's the only time I want like a, like a nice oaky Chardonnay. I gotcha. I understand the, the ski suit bunny style. Like, you know, you want something kind of warming and something kind of rich and Chardonnay can be that. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that hopefully I'm showing you now is that Chardonnay does not have to be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. This reminded me more. It leaned more to a, a Sauve Blanc, mm. but yeah. it's not. Yeah, I agree. A little more linear, a little bit more kind of um, based on the the bo- like lower body for Chardonnay. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Yes. Sauvignon Blanc tends to be light and zippy and crisp. Chardonnay is often not that, but it can be more like that than the traditional big, rich, you know, again, Fashion Island style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's all I know. I mean, either know like the super buttery Chard or like that crispy New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's all I know. Yeah. You do know more about wine. So that's it. That's <laughs> where it ends. And then, I, and then I look at the labels. It's like, don't judge a book by its cover. You have to. I always look at the cover, like the label on a wine bottle. It's life. I'm telling you, like, I'm a personal believer. Like, if the wine's good, the label should be good, too. It mm-hmm. should be eye-catching. It should be descriptive of the people who make the wine. If you can afford to buy grapes and turn them into wine, you can afford a marketing person who can help you make a label that doesn't suck. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it's business. How do we feel about – because I always – when I bring a nice bottle of wine over, I don't want to get a screw top. There I, are ooh. nice bottles of wine now that have screw tops. Right. So I understand the aversion, and what I can tell you is that – there's a romance to an old school bottle of wine with a cork. There's this like, you know, you watch the waiter pull the cork. It's a sexy thing. It's yes. like, it's a, it's an old tradition. It's, it's something steeped in tradition, but I would advise you to maybe change your tune a little bit okay. on this. And here's why screw caps have been around since the seventies. And I actually tasted the first wine that ever went under screw cap Stop it. at Pusey Vale winery in Australia, South Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Riesling. Yeah. And What's amazing about it is the industry knew that it was going to be a problem. So they actually tried to bury it kind of like electric cars got buried by the the oil and gas industry. Mm -hmm. So they had this technology in Australia and they had to put it to the side because people would not allow it to come out. And what they've learned over time, and especially as it's gotten more popular, the screw cap is too good of a a, a closure. It actually does not allow for the transfer of oxygen in a long-term period. So you can have a wine and screw cap. And then five years later, it tastes like it never moved, which is kind of bizarre and also helpful. Is that a good thing? Well, sometimes people want their wine to age really slowly. Sometimes like George people, Clooney. You know, oh, they, well, everyone always example. says George Clooney ages like a good bottle of wine. He's a prime example. So he's a screw cap? He's more of a screw cap. <laughs> yeah. Now he's he's very um, elegant like a cork, but he's more screw cap in his, in his procedures. Yeah. So what's funny about it, like, obviously it's not sexy at all to have someone just turn a screw cap. That's not romantic at all. But in that same conversation, what's fun about it is like I, I've watched people at restaurants when I've ordered a wine I knew was in the screw cap. They have this kind of way that they'll do it and make it more sexy, like put their hand over it or put a napkin over it and just kind of bring a little bit more of the romance into that. But really, truly, as a closure, solely as a thing doing what wine is meant to do, it works really well. So for like really um, kind of mindfully made white wines like Gruner Vettlin or Riesling, um, weird Italian varieties, uh, Sauvignon Blanc from Australia, Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, screw cap is actually really good because it locks in that youth. So it's kind of like uh, pre-Botox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so what are we tasting now? Yeah, segue. So now we're going to go to Chablis. So this is uh, a very well-known region in Burgundy where Chardonnay is grown. And these guys use oak. Sometimes 100% new oak, 
And what's great about Shibli is they often show no sign of using oak. It's this weird dance that they're able to do where they're using French oak. They like certain parts of the forest. They like certain staves they get from uh, different use. And it never smells or tastes like buttered popcorn ever. Shibli. I am smelling really thin, light green grass mm. with a Stop hint it. of moss. Mm. Stop it right now. Are you serious? Yes, Kayla. Oh my God. I am on my way to becoming a song. <laughs> what, what was ASMR. That? What are you doing? So, yeah, well done. Thank you. Thank we're, you. We're good mimics around here. I like it. Um, <laughs> it's micro oxygenation. So, what Ooh. I was doing was slurping the so wine. So, we can be our own aerators. So, you're kind of aerating the wine wow. in your own mouth. I like it. Okay. Is so this I an appropriate a- thing to do at a restaurant? Or, or it sounds like you're slurping soup. So slurping soup is very different because that's like a, a fashion and a dinner faux pas. Like if any of us went to Cotillion, we'd get slapped on the hand, you know? That is me. Right. So I say throw all that out the fucking window. Okay. It's 2020 almost. <laughs> we can do whatever makes us happy. You don't want to embarrass the person across the table from you. You don't want the server to look at you side eye wise. But in this case, like if you're tasting wine, there's an understanding that we're trying to get to know the wine. Now at a restaurant, yeah, you could do it. No one's going to get mad at you over it. I would say if you're with someone who doesn't like the noise and they're like really sensitive to that noise, <laughs> it might not be the best course of action. Sorry, but mom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the most obnoxious like uh, dance that someone's done with their wine where you're just like, Jesus Christ, this is not, this isn't doing anything. Like people that are trying to impress like a date or something that are just like staring or at trying it to throw or around the yeah, fact that they have like, so much money or something like that. You know, I've seen a lot in my day. Um, <laughs> thankfully, I'm lucky that at this point, Covell and Augustine don't really bring that out of people. Now, I'm sure that happens at other restaurants in L.A., uh, maybe, you know, the more Beverly Hills ification of it. But, you know, there's always someone who's trying to trying to go trying to take someone to bed. And there's, <laughs> yes. you know, trying to trying to go downtown and <laughs> trying to. Yeah. Open up a bottle of wine. <laughs> they want to open to close. They exactly. want to open to close. Yeah. <laughs> open to close. So, you know, you watch like the view of the legs and, you know, you, it, there's obvious little conversations that can be made in the sides that can be made from legs. You know, I'm, <laughs> it begs the question. I'll leave it open-ended. But um, what I often love is that when, you know, like a, a two top table where people are sitting across from each other, all of a sudden the guy will have to come sit next to the woman. And then it's like really intimate. And, you know, there's a lot, lot more touching happening. When I'm in a restaurant and the two people are sitting on the same side of the table, it bothers me so <laughs> much. I judge them. I do. I judge them. I mean, dinner's me an hour and a half, No, right? it isn't. You and Joe sit on the same side? Yeah, I know. It's weird. I never thought I'd be a same side kind of gal, but he likes it. <laughs> For real? Yeah. I need to talk to Joe. He likes it. I know. But what are they? But I think he it's also sexy. Does this. But it, when you watch the shift of not same side to then same side, you know what the guy's trying to do. Yeah. So it's like, you know, then all of a sudden they get really intimate in the glass and they're like talking about things that probably don't even matter or aren't in existence. Or things um, they won't remember talking about. And who, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, I want people to have fun. Yeah. But, you know, I've definitely, I've overheard people misuse certain languages like wine malaprops are very very common like saying that you love something that's not real or that like <laughs> i love pinot noir from a place that doesn't grow pinot noir you know like i, I i've been around that kind of thing um it's what, intimidating wine is intimidating when i order wine at a restaurant i do not act like i, n- I pretend to know anything because it is a lot i i want to have a nice glass of wine but i also don't want to be the one at the restaurant trying eight different glasses I think that what I've come to find personally, like I love going out and having great experiences. 
I also know that unless I try stuff I'm not familiar with, I'm never going to grow and I'm never going to learn. So what I really encourage people to do is go to a place that you know has a high quality, they're known for you know having a great wine program, great food, and put yourself in their hands. I think that we all think we know what we like, and that keeps us liking what we like and doesn't allow us to grow. So sometimes it's fun to say, I love high acid Riesling or I love Oaky Buttery Chardonnay. What do you recommend? Bring it to me, not taste me on 12 things. Mm. Let me find the right wine. Because also we're so easily written off on things that we don't see on Instagram or that our friend didn't tell us to like or whatever. You know, we're, we're all sheep. Let's be honest. Yeah. We're all sheep. Bah. So <laughs> when you go to a restaurant, just kind of let them drive. Sit back. Shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. It's okay to shut up. You know, we have, we have one mouth and two ears. So maybe listen a little more than you talk. And in wine especially, you'll, you'll get some gems. So, yeah, I think that it's important to go to places that have a high reputation for certain things and just sit back. Let them show you what they're good at. You'll find something you never knew. You might learn a new language. You'll learn a word you didn't know existed. There's 6,000 wine grapes out there, and most people drink five of those. Wow. So maybe try 11 through 25 and see what happens. What are the five basics that people usually drink? So Should we the, see if we could guess them? Like you, you mean like Chardonnay? Grapes? Chardonnay's one. Chardonnay. Um, red grape. That's a color. Concord. Yeah. How about red grape. Concord's more known for grape juice and for table grapes. Damn it. Okay. Um, um, it's okay. Pinot, I, Pinot grape. Pinot what? Noir grape. Okay. Pinot noir. Chardonnay. Merlot grape. Merlot. I, I wouldn't put it in the top five, but it's a well-known one. Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc I'd put that's there. That's a grape. Okay. That's the name of a grape that grows on a vine. They make wine out <laughs> of it. Chablis grape. Chablis is a place. Okay. That's on a map. <laughs> Damn it. Champagne is also a place on a map. Oh, yeah, you're oh right. yeah, but yeah. that's not a grape. Um, okay, we did three. Malbec. Malbec's a good one. Wow. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Cab. Or yeah. just Cab. Cabernet. Mm. Cab. Cab. You know, we're, we become very British in the way we don't like to say whole words in this country. <laughs> like, mm. why would you waste syllables if you don't have to? <laughs> it's the same as texting. It's Time awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I really liked both of these a lot. And it's hard to believe that they're the same grape. It's a very yeah. different taste. And I wish for our yeah. listeners that you were actually here tasting with us because it is it is completely different. And if you go to our social medias, we will have pictures of all of these bottles of wine. Bottles of wine so you can do your own wine and tasting. And the cutest at home. pictures of this restaurant because I'm obsessed. Yes. Thank you. And I'm a huge fan of Cobell too. I didn't realize you guys were owned both. Thank you so much. Yeah. So you're gonna like where my husband and I were at last weekend. Where? We had a celebratory meal at 11 Madison Park. Mm. Mm-hmm. You need to explain to our listeners what that is. It's just like the number one. They just like win. They it's just the win number one food. What? They were the number they one restaurant in the world one, for a year. One number, yes. It's like they win at everything. I mean, yes. that's insane. They're winners. They are winners. And going there, we've been there twice. And Ooh. this time, because it was during the holidays, you got there and the whole table was covered with presents. Oh my goodness. And you unwrapped the presents and the like first course is Stop it. in the boxes. What? Yes. It was like this caviar and then they brought this toast and then all these little toppings. So you literally opened up these beautifully wrapped <sighs> gifts and we got to go like back in the back in the um, the kitchen. It was amazing. Is it usually like that? Like an experience? Not- yes. Yes. The first time we went there was a picnic basket. And the whole thing was like Americana. This is so fun. Oh, my God. But what you'll love. So we ordered a very, very nice glass of wine. Mm. And they did this thing that I'd glass never seen. Glass or bottle? Or bottle, bottle, bottle. I'm sorry. You're pouring a glass. <laughs> and I, and it's 10 a.m. and we're drinking wine. Guys, bear with Life me. Life is good. <laughs> Life is good. Um, so we ordered this very nice celebratory bottle of wine. We let the 
the we let them drive. We're like, you guide us. Um, And they did this huge presentation with it where they brought this like iron. They they lit. It's called port tongs. Port tongs. Port tongs. Yes. And port they, as in like a port, like the type of beverage? So port is a style of wine made in the Douro region of Portugal and then oh. aged in Villanova de Gaia, which is where the town of Porto is split by the Douro River. Mm. It's a wow. magical place. Wow. And traditionally, and I don't mean to cut you off. But no, please do. educational for this exact topic. Port tongs were a way back before they had fancy wine openers to not mess up a cork and still get the wine. So what they do is, as she's describing, they heat up this piece of metal, basically, like 200, 300 degrees, and they clamp it around the neck of the bottle, and it melts the glass, but perfectly, and then they basically just touch the glass, and it comes off, and the cork is left in the top of the neck of the bottle, and you just pour from below that. You're kidding. No, I'm not. And I have a whole video of it. Oh, my God. Okay, we'll share it on on socials because this is fascinating. I have to see this. I didn't even know that existed. I'd never seen something like this. It was the coolest thing. So it's a tradition. How How many years old? Well, like, so the, the Douro region and where they make port is the oldest demarcated wine region on the planet wow. since, I want to say, 1732 or wow. coming up on 300 years. Now, would you recommend that, because I feel very inspired and I feel like I can find something similar on Pinterest on like how to do this if I were to buy the tools Candace, Pinterest on Pinterest has Amazon. so many fails. You were just <laughs> no. going to fail. I love but you. Can you do but- this at home? Would, so, would you, or do you have to be like a master? Like the heat people up that, metal to two hundred degrees. The people that like <laughs> cut the the no, it looked simple. It was all on a well, little cause, tray because it's the nicest restaurant in the world. They make everything look simple. But then also the people that like cut the champagne things off with a knife. So what I recommend <laughs> if you're talking about things that could potentially be dangerous is <laughs> don't do that. You always you always want to be safe and you always want to have confidence going into it. So if you feel like you're not happy with playing with 300 degrees, probably it's not the the course of action for you. (laughs) But in essence, what you do is you get like a butane kind of gas lighter, something that can stay in place that you don't have to hold. You want to have like a flame that will go straight up from the ground, right? Or from a very safe, don't put it on a table unless you know what you're doing, maybe on the ground outside, no leaves around. Do not start a PG&E fire. (laughs) Like don't burn LA down. (laughs) Okay. I'll do it in the, I'll do it in like a wet climate guys. (laughs) Yeah. Do it in Hawaii. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or in Seattle. Yes. I will go to Seattle. Super safe in Seattle. Um, and yeah, so you, you basically want to have this fire that can get to a certain temperature and then the port tongs themselves are findable. You can buy them on, I'm sure on Amazon or somewhere, you know, they're not cheap. That's what but Jamie said. Yeah. Is Jamie your waiter? I, I no, went to Australia Somali, with Jamie. Master Somali. You oh, know Jamie? I know Jamie Schwa. Oh my gosh. Jamie was the I was going to ask if you met him, but I, I didn't Wait, get to guys, that question. Who's Jamie? Jamie from 11 Madison Park. He's a sommelier Park. at Kayla 11 Kayla. Madison Park. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So Jamie was at the Modern before that. Great restaurant. Danny Meyer restaurant. Danny Meyer opened 11 Madison Park. He's no longer a partner there. And Jamie ended up going from one of the best restaurants in New York and in the world to a slightly better and also one of the best restaurants in New York and the world. It's it's high end. He's wow. he's good at what he does. Shout out to Jamie Schwa. What's yes. up? What's up, Jamie? I miss you. Thank you for taking all my questions seriously because I asked a lot of questions. He's um, good at that. <laughs> what? Oh, so what are we drinking? So okay, now we've moved to a Pinot Noir flight, and so Chardonnay and Pinot Noir are from the same region. 
They are, you know, analogous. They often go hand in hand in conversations because they're both from Burgundy. Burgundy is a place on a map. Burgundy is not a grape. It's a place you can go to. I highly recommend going there for culinary and drinking escapades. And so now uh, keeping in the same concept of having some sort of an Augustine related wine, we've got our private label that my business partner Dave crafted with the winemaker and co-owner of Melville Winery, Chad Melville. Good buddy of ours. I've known Chad since 2004. Good dude, loves music, amazing winemaker. So he crafted this wine for us. We're the only place you can get this. You can buy Melville wines, obviously, but you'll never be able to get the Augustine Cuvée anywhere but Augustine. And then next to that is the wine that I produce with my friends at Presquil Winery, which is in Santa Maria Valley. So what we're doing is Santa Rita Hills, kind of famous place for Pinot Noir. Um, there's a wine called Sea Smoke that's from there, a very famous wine. And the reason Santa Rita Hills matters is it's warm during the day somewhere around 80, 85 degrees. And then right at like 3 p.m., it's like you snap your fingers, cue the sea spray, the fog. Every day just rolls in. And Pinot Noir is very thin-skinned. It's very temperamental. It likes temperate and cool areas. So that sea spray and that that fog that kind of formulates the sea smoke, as they call it, that's why the winery is called that, allows for warm days, maturation to happen. And then nighttime, when the fog comes, the temperature drops severely, like 30, 40 degrees And every night the grapes get to sleep in kind of a cool climate, cool environment. And that's what's called a diurnal shift in weather. And when you have that temperature diurnal shift, grapes like Pinot Noir that you want high acid, you want fresh fruit qualities, they need that difference in warm daytime and cold nighttime. So that that ocean influence is super important in Santa Rita Hills. And are these the same grape? These are both the same grape. And as the crow flies, they're like 25 miles apart. If you were to drive between the two, it's about a 30 to 35 minute drive. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see. I even see a difference in color. You'll, you'll see a difference in color. Um, the one on the left is younger. It's 2018. Okay. Where the one on the right, the AMFM is 2015. So that has a little bit to do with it. Okay. Um, Santa Maria Valley is also special. It gets a little bit of that fog I talked about. But the big difference there is. They're about 20 miles inland from the ocean, where Santa Rita Hills is more like five to seven miles inland. And this is an old river valley in Santa Maria. So they've got this kind of like 30, 40 year old, excuse me, 30, 40 million year old geology in a riverbed there. And because of the riverbed and the channel there with the mountains, it gets this incredible daytime kind of uh, cooling that happens. It's like a, it's like almost natural air conditioning. So it'll still be 80, 85 degrees during the day, but it'll be windy. So it sucks in that cold air from the ocean on this channel through the river, and it doesn't get the exact same like 3 p.m. every day. The the clouds don't come, but you always have this natural air conditioning from the wind. So grapes here will have warm maturation with also having the kind of cooling of of that airflow. So it's also special. This is so intense. I love it. So when did you decide you wanted to become a sommelier? Wait, which one are we doing first? Left. Okay. Left. Yeah. So the 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 Augustine. Augustine. So... um, this all fell into my lap. I got very lucky. So I grew up in Santa Barbara. Wine is very close to you in Santa Barbara, even if you're not old enough to drink. And I started drinking at seven. So I'll take that for what it's worth. I stole a glass of champagne at a wedding. I got so fancy. And never looked back. I got fucked up. I got, I was so drunk. Off one glass of champagne? We had to leave so I can go home and vomit for like a day. Off one glass of champagne? I was seven. <laughs> Kayla's like I was throwing back a Damn, bottle, throw, two bottles. You throwing by shade that. at me? There's a, re- there's a reason Poppy's sleeping through the night, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh my wow, God. love it. Um, so yeah, I started early. Santa Barbara, we tend to start early. Seven um, is so early. Well, it was. I just stole one glass at a wedding. It's just you know I get to hang my hat on that. But 
so growing up there, knowing that the wine culture was close, knowing that vines are important. And I've always loved grapevines. A vineyard is my happy place. Um, I went to UCSB as well. I stayed there for college and I used to want to be a baseball player. And then my knees gave out. And then I wanted to be a singer songwriter. And I tried for years to do that for a job. And that's impossible. Oh, are you going to sing for us too? I don't have a guitar. While here. we drink wine. Okay. Otherwise I would. <laughs> we, we can make Candace that happen. Can do it. Maybe do next it. time. Well, we, we got this. <laughs> On the reunion visit. We yes. Um, so I was going to UCSB doing the singer songwriter thing. And of course, if you're trying to be a musician, you have to have a job because you make zero money. You spend money to make no yeah. money at music. So I had a job at a restaurant that a close friend of mine from childhood's dad owned. And it just got to a point where I needed to move on. I was done with it. But at that same time, a roommate of mine in college had a fancy father with amazing taste in wine and a big wine collection. Ron Green went up. <laughs> and he, for some reason, started opening just insane bottles of wine for me, like the kinds of things I still wish I could afford. So for those who are aware of what this stuff is, I'm going to throw it out there. For those who aren't aware, let's just say like Google one to $2,000 bottles of wine, right? Mm-hmm. One, $100 to $2,000. So grower champagne from the 70s, uh, Grand Cru Burgundy from the 50s, 60s, 70s. Oh old, my God. Old Mosul Riesling from the 40s and 50s and 60s. Armagnac, which is awesome liquor. It's, it's the uh, subregion to Cognac from the 1860s, 1870s. What? What? Madeira from the 1860s, 1870s, 1880s. What? So my head exploded at 2021. 20, uh, I was I was 20 when he gave these to mm-hmm. me. I'm so sorry. It's still legal. It's okay. So <laughs> it's wine. Yeah, exactly. We're not in Europe, are we? I yeah, wish we were. Yeah, we're in Europe. We could be. So he inspired me to kind of take it seriously, learn a little bit more. And so I quit the job I had at the restaurant. And next thing I knew, a week later, I had a job at a wine store called The Wine Cask in downtown Santa Barbara. And my life changed forever. Wow. So I never really wanted this. I didn't know I wanted it. It kind of wanted me. It found me. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that sometimes whatever we think is happening in our life, we got to shut up and listen. Mm Kind of again, the, the two ears, one mouth thing. Like I can talk all I want. I can direct the narrative. I can desire, I can be shark-like and go after what I'm looking for. But in life, what I've learned is you need to be a little more like a jellyfish and allow the current to carry you. So that way you go to experiences you didn't otherwise know were out there. Okay. That's so good. I love that. That's mine. It's copyrighted. Okay. <laughs> can I take it though? Want, and tell Is that your next bottle of wine that we you're wanna, coming out with? We want to be more of a jellyfish. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's, it's a very this. important life philosophy. I would drink that wine. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. Skin feeling stressed from the holidays? Maybe it's finally time to treat yourself with One Kind. Created in response to the pink tax, One Kind offers skincare that's every bit as luxurious, clean, and effective as La Creme, but at a much fairer price tag. In fact, everything is under $45 because One Kind believes that you deserve skincare that works without having to give up your daily latte to afford it. The One Kind Dream Cream, for instance, is a supercharged night cream that gets you up and glowing by the AM. Meanwhile, the PM Power Couple includes the Dream Cream Nighttime Moisturizer, along with the Midnight Magic PM Serum. And the Midnight Magic PM Serum is a power-packed retinol and peptide serum that brightens and firms your skin. Go to www.onekind.us to shop and use promo code CHALLENGE to check out to receive $10 off your first order. And save an additional $10 when you order the PM Power Couple, which includes both the Dream Cream and Midnight Magic PM Serum. Shipping and returns are free on every order. Again, that's onekind.us, promo code CHALLENGE for $10 off your first order. 
As the creators of Clean Beauty, Bare Minerals is driven by a philosophy that makeup and skincare should make your skin better, not just better looking. That's why their best-selling original foundation is made with only five ingredients, all minerals. For Bare Minerals to be clean without compromise means good for skin formulas with proven performance. Upgrade to Clean Beauty products. Use the foundation finder at bareminerals.com to find your perfect match. Get 20% off when you use the promo code CHALLENGED. Bare Minerals, the power of good. back santa rita hills this is so good i'm a pinot noir. i love pinot noir grapes yeah that's a specific grape it is from a specific region or no no all over all different pinot noir is temperamental as i said earlier but it likes a lot of different places so the places in the world pinot noir are known for burgundy is where it's from same place chardonnay originates it grows really well here in california it does well in south africa does well in uh, different parts of australia you see really nice pinot noir in um, kind of parts of, I don't know, let's say Austria. They do a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Germany's really come up in the world of Pinot Noir. They call it Spatzbegunde. Wow. Yeah, in German. Yeah, <laughs> Spatzbegunde. It's very nice to say. Um, it grows really well in Chile and Argentina, down in Patagonia especially. Uh, the cooler climates of Chile. I was just there. Mm-hmm. I got to go to the Casablanca Valley, and they do really well with Pinot Noir there. San Antonio area near to the ocean, west side, west of the Andes. Um, it's, you know... What's amazing about Pinot Noir, it's very smart and it picks the most beautiful places in the world to grow. It's very temperamental. It's very high end. Oh, I like, like it even more now. Yeah. It, all of its vacation homes are super expensive. Got it. I mean, that's why they made a whole move, right? That's why Sideways was a whole movement. <laughs> Sideways was a movement. On it, that one it, bottle. It completely of ruined Merlot. Pinot Noir. <laughs> have you gone a day without tasting a sip of wine? Many, yes. You, you have. It's an occupational hazard to be a drunk. In my world. So I have to be very careful. I've got work to do. I've got people who rely on, you know, the decisions we make. And it would be a a bad choice of me to just drink all day, every day. So, yeah, I go many days without drinking. I have to. Mm -hmm. Do you actually use the spit bucket when you're tasting? I do. Wow. Yeah. You have to. Well, yeah, I'm sure if it's like a job. Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. You guys don't have to. Yeah, like for We're your bachelorette not. party. No, we did, we, not. we did not. We did not use the spit bucket. It was bucket. not used. There's no spit bucket on this table. No <laughs> spit bucket on this table. Now at, uh, you know, 11, 11, 20 a.m. Yeah. 11.40. Mel, how are you doing no breakfast over there? You I'm got so quiet. good. Are you good? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I realized, like, do you have a protein bar in my bag? Would you like it? No, I'm oh, good right okay. now. <laughs> I okay. just like this because it, like, wraps around my tongue. It's good. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. What a sexy way to describe <laughs> it, Mel. Yeah. The way that you're describing the wines, it's so poetic. And that's why I like he- hearing people that know about the wine talk about the wine. Uh, what do you say to then people that are like, oh, I can just buy the two buck check or I'll just get like whatever's on happy hour. Like, should we pay attention to the wines that we drink or just be like, you know what? Sometimes you just need a good like cheapy glass or is it important? And it is beyond just like if you're going to get a headache the next day of like, no, right. just really appreciating where it's from and why you're buying it. It's an excellent question. So there's been a movement in the world to know where our food comes from and grapes are no different. It's an agricultural product. It's product of the earth. People take 365 days of their life every year to grow in some cases, one grape, some cases they have more than that. And so the care that goes into it, the amount of scrutiny that goes into it, the amount of investment that's gone into it, 
I think what people have kind of a, a, as a consumer, a responsibility is more to your own ethics, how you believe you want your life to be, who you want to support. You know, as soon as you find out that, and I hope this isn't out of place, but like if someone is a Trump supporter in the business world, I stop giving them money. Done. Like Equinox, Jim, I'll never walk in ever again. Mm-hmm. And so in the case of wine, I'm not saying that people are Trump supporters in a lot of wineries. Sometimes they are maybe, but the analogy I can make is like, if you buy Roundup and use it in your vineyards, fuck off. I'm done. Yeah. Like, what is what's Roundup? Roundup used to be made by, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, so it was, um, there was a big asshole company the Koch brothers owned called mm-hmm. Monsanto. And recently a company called Bayer that makes like, you know, Advil and they're mm-hmm. the first people to bring cocaine on the market. I don't know if you guys have seen, um, there was a really amazing show Clive Owen was in called The Nick. Did you guys ever oh. see The Nick? I- advertised, but not on TV. I highly recommend you go back and watch the Nick, which was the turn of the 20th century in New York city, the Knickerbocker hospital. And it was, it's all factually accurate to the time. So they, they like bring in the institutions of when they were using x-rays for the first time, when typhoid Mary hit and they had to figure out how that was going on. And then the company Bayer introducing cocaine to like, you know, to, to, um, to numb limbs during surgeries and things. So Bayer has been around a long time as a company and Bayer bought Monsanto from the Koch brothers to basically finish the tarnishing of the name. And they buried Monsanto as a brand name. It's gone, which is genetically altering things to make Roundup and genetically altering food products. Again, what's Roundup? So it genetically alters the grapes or it- Roundup is a weed killer. Oh, Okay. Is yes. this an honest? I want to be. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, I actually don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm no. That's awesome. I and can I, kill a succulent. I'm like, super I'm glad just not a green know. thumb at all. Cancer but also, you and, have to know. Yeah. Okay, good. Roundup is. Um, it's responsible potentially for killing off bee populations. Mm-hmm. It's responsible for giving many, 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 many people a lot of cancer. Yeah. And one of the reasons Monsanto ended up having to sell and basically go into non-existence was they lost a landmark case of like seven hundred and fifty million dollars that cancer patients are able to collect from them because of the effects of Roundup specifically. So Bayer buys Roundup and the company that owned Roundup gets rid of the Monsanto name. And now Roundup is just a Bayer product, which sounds less bad than the kind of world um, mentality of Monsanto. Look look into it. You'll you'll, you'll be astonished and really upset over it. There are vineyards that were using that then. Up until the 80s, everyone did. I mean, there's certain people who understood organic farming long ago, and it wasn't like a buzzword and an Instagram thing, and they weren't trying to gain followers. It was more like, this is what we do, and this is what our grandfather taught us, grandmother taught us, whoever was in the vineyard. Um, now organic is a buzzword, so people want to be on the right side we, of history. We should buy organic wine because what's crazy is, unfortunately, the way that organic wine's been explained to me is like, oh well, yeah, it's just to help so you don't. There's less sugar or tannins or something, and I'm like, well, aren't the grapes treated? One better? of the things that's my biggest job in the world is to kind of demystify misinformation. So organic is unfortunately under understood. So. Farming organically is the most important thing. To be called an organic wine, there's a whole separate kind of classification you have to go through. And, you know, it's it's less important to me than the actual vineyard practices. So to be an organic farmer and to be certified organic, you go through like a three to five year process of treating your vineyard a certain way, making sure your neighbors don't do, like your neighbor can't use Roundup basically. Mm-hmm. And then three to five years have to pass for all the past whatever um, treatments you were doing for any sort of influence in the soil all has to go away. And it's basically, you're allowed to use like 
So there's, there's some other four letter words in the wine world. Like people are not happy with when you add uh, sulfur at bottling or SO2. If we're talking natural Sulfates. wine, it's, is that the thing? We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> yes. But, but no, no, it's, it's related and unrelated at the same time. But in essence, organic farming is being mindful of the earth, being mindful of the process, not adding things that aren't allowed, but you're allowed to add sulfur and like, um, copper and things like that at certain times in the vineyard and in certain small amounts because they're organic material. And then you treat the grapes basically as if nothing was added. That's unnatural. Like Roundup is the most unnatural thing there is. It's completely modified. It's meant to kill. Its job is to murder. So So, should we not drink wines that are past 1980? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is at a certain price point, and this is me, like uh, the crusade I have is for knowledge. It's not, I'm not trying to like call anyone out. I'm not trying to decimate people's businesses, but at a certain price point, wine cannot be produced ethically. So let's say under seven, $8 retail, it's unlikely, especially if they're from Europe, especially if they're from other countries, it's unlikely those wines are additive free because it's just not how commerce works. Right? So what you want to do is you want to put yourself in a pretty good price point. Like from about 12 to $20 is a really important price point. Again, as long as the wines are made ethically, as long as you understand the philosophy behind the people, you want sustainably farmed or organically farmed grapes, not organic wine, because I that personally, I don't believe in that. I think it's a bullshit fucking thing that people use to try to win on Instagram, and it's just not how I believe in it. <laughs> but when you actually see the people in the vineyard doing the work, when they farm sustainably, it allows for in like every decade, there's probably two or three years where shit goes wrong and you have to fix it. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a sustainable farmer, you have a back backup plan. You can, you can fix things. If you're certified organic as a farmer and things go wrong, sometimes your hands are tied, you're handcuffed, you can't fix problems. So certification of organics is great in regions that are perfect weather-wise. Places that are temperamental, places that you have disease pressure, places that mold pops up, places that you've got you know powdery mildew, or you've got aphids that come and eat your vineyards. It's not impossible, but it's super tough to be a certified organic vineyard. So I think the knowledge behind it's important to, to really understand the difference between these categories and topics like Sonoma, for instance, Sonoma County is becoming, um, by I think 2020. So next year they will be every farmer in the entire Appalachian will be certified or excuse me, will be sustainable, at least sustainable. So you can hang your hat on that, which is pretty incredible, right? (laughs) It's a pretty special thing. Um, the, the farming of your grapes is as important as the farming of your food. So this kind of to bring it, loop it back fully, the, the ethical nature, we all think like we want to make sure we eat organically farmed apples, organically farmed tomatoes, organically farmed fill in the blank. Like you also want to feel that same way about the grapes that you put into your body because your body's going to digest this. Your body's going to um, soak this up and it's going to become part of you, right? So you want what's going into your body to be as ethically made, sourced, thought of curated as possible. So a $4 bottle of wine straight up is not made that way. Will never be made that way. It's just, it is what it is. No more two buck check. Yeah, no, but that's, you don't think of it (coughs) to that extent. And especially at a time when we're all trying to really eat food that will nourish us. And also what I love is the way that you talk about wine. Every bottle is a story. Absolutely. And, and that's like, you lose the romanticism of that. I think. A little bit. So tell us the story of the of the last bottle that we're 
Yeah. So AMFM is my personal label I've been doing since 2007. Started off a little small, um, you know, a dude with a dream. I was uh, managing a wine store in Silver Lake called Silver Lake Wine. And I got tasked by one of the owners to find all the wines from Santa Barbara no one knew about, which being from Santa Barbara, I took it as a personal challenge. Mm. I found two. One of them was a side project of a buddy in L.A. who later became a very close friend um, he worked with me at Covell for a bit, and then he moved to New York to chase a woman. Then they got married, and now they're in, <laughs> in, uh, they're in Atlanta with a beautiful daughter. They're incredible. The other one was Sarlos and Sons. And if you guys haven't been there, they have a tasting room in Los Olivos. They're incredible people. You must go see Sarlos and Sons. They're famous because they also have a um, cupcake tasting in-house, which we can get to another time again. But <laughs> So Keith... Our was, faces for like the yeah, next no, it's like everyone I know, everyone perks Wine, up. Wine, cupcakes, he's, what? He's Perfect. awesome. He's he's one of those like little kids in a 45-year-old's body. He just like, his eyes are super big. He's such a good father. He's telling his kids, he's showing his kids that anything is possible, Aww. which is impressive. Uh, I recommend following him on Facebook or on Instagram, Keith Sarlos. He's incredible. It's just inspirational as a person. But so I found this guy, called him said, hey, I'm interested to learn more about your wine. An hour and a half later, while I'm on the clock at my job, I'm still on the phone. And one of the owners is walking by, pissed at me, face is like super long and upset. Like, why are you still on the phone? WTF. And so I made plans to go see the vineyard that this guy Keith owned. Turned out it was a vineyard I had driven by many times and never knew the owners of. So it was a total kismet thing. He was young at that point. This is 2007. So I was 24. He was probably... 34 or so. He's, he's a little older than I am. Uh, he and his wife had moved up to the Los Olivos area to live with their parents or live with his parents and build a house and help the family figure out what to do with these incredible properties they bought. Originally, they had uh, an apple orchard on one of them and decided through a bunch of different geology and kind of you know people who it's their job to tell you what to do with property. They said, you should plant Syrah here. So they planted Syrah in 2003 they made the, or maybe they planted it in 2001. They made the first wine in 2003. They weren't super pleased with it. So they waited until 2005 to make a second wine. And I stood there with him looking at the terraces in the vineyard, looking at the exposure they had, looking at this little amphitheater where they planted the vineyard on the mom and dad's house, like a personal property, right? It's called, um, yeah, the windmill, a- windmill Ranch Vineyard, excuse me. Um, they're now in an AVA called the Ballard Canyon area. It didn't used to be called Ballard Canyon. It used to just be um, Santinez Valley. Now it's specifically called Ballard Canyon. They helped get that designation to see on a label. But we stood there. I was young in my career, had no idea where I was going or what I wanted. And I, you know, I had these big dreams and hopes, and as did he. He was a young father. He had um, his first daughter, Brielle. And I think maybe his wife was pregnant with their second son, Cash at that point. And like, he was still trying to figure out what came next for him and his family. He didn't know. So I'm standing there, a wine person, and he's standing there, someone who left his life entirely to move where his mom and dad lived in Los Olivos and change his life entirely. Which Los Olivos, we actually have been there. Kayla and I have been there together when we were road tripping up to Carmel for a friend's wedding. And it's this like tiny wine town. Like literally there's like one main street. Yeah. And there was like this like lemonade stand. Yes. But like you go into the, like even just the gas station to like use the facilities and get some snacks. And we were like, holy shit, look at the wine they got in here. It's insane. And that lemonade stand you referenced is right in front of his tasting room. Oh, really? It's great. We loved it. Yeah. So it's like small town USA, but it's Mm -hmm. also, it's what they call God's country. It's, it's truly like if you were to just win the lottery tomorrow, where would you want to live? It's very likely there. Mm -hmm. 
So we're standing there having this moment, like he's growing out, I'm growing out. We're like falling in love with each other, even though we both like women. And um, just want to throw that in there. And are you single? No. no. Yeah. You put it out there. I'm just following it up. I Wait, was trying I, to help you I out. How it was like a pause. And yeah. So there's a story. You just yeah. put it out there. It's definitely a story. I'm just trying to be a wing woman over here. So back to the wine. <laughs> You're not turning red or anything. I'm already okay. red. So we're in Los Olivos. No, I'm not embarrassed. No, I'm no. look, I'm unwed. I have no ring on my finger. I'm I'm yes, I'm single. But cool. being unwed and being single are two different things. Two yeah. different things in, in 2019, almost 2020. So my favorite <laughs> my favorite Mitch Hedberg joke of all time is I don't have a girlfriend, but I know someone would be really mad at me if she heard me say that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like where you are. No, I just that's think that status. nowadays it's like it's tough to talk about out loud, especially yeah. when people are gonna hear it. Got like, it. I, I, I'm not married. Yeah. I'm unwed. Got it. I, you know, okay. We'll leave it, it at that. Okay. Yeah, it is what it is. It's all good. Yeah. But I'm a business is- owner. I've got a lot of responsibilities. Yeah, got a lot to do. So back to Los Olivos, throwing out <laughs> and, moment. And how you do like you, women. Yeah, and how you put together like an, a bottle of wine that everyone's proud yeah. of. So and- Keith looks at me and goes, so he's sizing me up, right? I'm 24, 23 or however old I was. I was t- yeah, I was 24. And he goes, so what do you want? Like, what do you want your life to be? And... You know, I, I referenced earlier, I tried to be a baseball player. My knees gave out and then I wanted to be a musician. And that didn't exactly happen how I hoped. So I told him like, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but at some point I'd like to own a music venue. I'd like to own a restaurant. I'd like to have a vineyard. I'd like to make wine. I knew all those things were true. I would like to do all those. And I, I given the life I was living now, I was two years in the wine world. I had worked at a wine famous place in Santa Barbara. And then I moved to another great place in Los Angeles called Silver Lake Wine. I I just got really lucky to work at these great places. And so I knew that I was trying to dream big and manifestation is important in life. So I told him that and he looks at me and goes, hmm, I can help. And I said, what the fuck do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean you can help? And so we decided to create a wine together. So at that point, I was only working six days a week and I had a day off and I could take a little bit more time. And so we crafted a wine together called AMFM. Uh, I made my first wine. Is that uh, due to your love of music, AMFM radio? I wanted something musical mm-hmm. without being like, you On know, the nose. guitar sellers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I, I sing it. out loud sellers, you know, it's just great. like. So, it's a great bowl. name. Yeah. Sellers. Thank you. So I, uh, <laughs> I had a, an amazing um, a guy who works for Disney, who's an animationist, uh, animation guy there through the logo. So we've got this old school, old timey radio. Can I see it? As the logo. Yeah. Oh, cute. Ben, oh my God. It's so cute. Ben Wale Pinek is the, the artist of that. I have the original still in my house. I mean, we framed. said too, label is a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's very important. Yeah. So we put together our first wine of AMFM, hundred percent Syrah from the windmill ranch vineyard. And I sold it to friends. I sold it through silver Lake wine. We sold out quickly. Then we decided to start making other things because they bought a second vineyard at that point, the El Camino Real Vineyard. And um, I was able to make Grenache Blanc and Cabernet as we got older and we, we grew together. And I helped Keith really understand and unlock the potential of their company, their mind, their wine understanding. And the company has really taken off since he and I met. And you know, he, he'll say much more flattering things than I'll say, like, I'm thankful for what, how I've been able to help him grow and unlock that potential in his head. But, um, they came to a point where they just got really well known and they were unable to keep helping me make these small amounts of wine because they needed to have it in house. Mm -hmm. And I totally understood. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, I'm glad they've gotten to that point. They needed to keep making wine on their own. And so we put AMFM to bed for a little bit 
We had to. And then some other friends came to me and said, you know, it's time we, w- we would like to buy some more AMFM. And I said, well, I, I stopped doing AMFM. It doesn't exist anymore. And that became a new understanding of what AMFM could be. Mm-hmm. So in 2013, we decided to start with a new winery, a new home, and a new mindset. So we make now Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so AMFM, actually, we, we decided to discontinue it. So it's kind of going to become a relic. Ooh. So I would say, get it while you can. You've got AMFM Pinot Noir, AMFM Chardonnay. It's available here in Los Angeles, a little bit in um, San Francisco, a few places. It's available in Canada. It's available in Cincinnati. It's available in Chicago. It's not everywhere, um, but it's going to go away. If you are in LA, go visit Silver, Silver Lake Wines too. Because my friends and I always say, you can just buy, go in there and again, close your mouth, listen. Because any bottle anyone recommends, if it's from Silver Lake Wine, it's a good bottle. They have really good, twi- uh, really good taste. There. Yeah, and I love that every bottle comes with a story. Um, now I want to play a fun little. Like we're just gonna we're gonna unleash the questions now. Okay, okay. three girls walk into a bar, <laughs> a wine bar, with some just like you know just casual questions, and you're just gonna educate us. Do it. Okay, tannins. What's the deal? Why do I have to care about tannins? And why does everyone talk about them all the time? Like so, I should know what they are. Tannins are a textural component. It's an acid component of wine. And the best analogy I can give you to make it quickly make sense, most of us have had tea in our lives. Sometimes we're busy. We make some tea, get a phone call. You forget the tea bag in the water too long. And then when it's oversteeped, when it's uh, macerated too long, you take a sip and it's like abrasive. It's like, you know, wool on your tongue. That is tannic acid. So that's Mm -hmm. the reference that I can give you that makes sense outside of wine for, you know, an aside to bring it together. So tannins are important because they're one of the tenets of aging. One of the three really important things a wine can have to give it a long life. The other two are acid structure and also sweetness. So tannins are a type of acid, but it's different than like total acidity in a wine, which kind of makes it tart or like makes you feel it in the back of your throat. Mm-hmm. But tannic acid is something that works really well with beef. If you like steak or osobuco or you like pork tenderloin, things like that that are fatty and rich, a red wine with high tannic structure will cut through that fat and become a really nice pairing. So it's something that certain grapes have traditionally as just a, a component of, of the actual, like the makeup, the DNA of a grape, like a uh, Malbec, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, um, Negrette, Tanat, those are all high in tannins. Nebbiolo as well. Pinot Noir can be tannic as well. Um, so it's just something that in the world of fine wine, it's it's a thing you can kind of signify that is used in high quality and also a, a determinant of aging. Cool. Mel? Mm. <laughs> uh, so notes, when people say that, what does that mean? So when you're talking about notes in a wine, it's like what flavors, what scents, what, what that a wine is giving me can I communicate to be a very specific, like, does it taste like apple? Does it smell like rosemary? So it's a reference to, you know, it's not a musical note. It's a little mm-hmm. different than that. It's um, specifically what am I finding in the wine and what is it reminding me of, whether it be flavor-wise or scent-wise. Sometimes when I order a bottle or, or a glass of wine, it'll be a different gla- – I'll drink it from a different glass. Does that make a difference? You know, you order like a um, glass of white wine and it's a smaller or there's just different kinds. Even a right. Moscato, a dessert wine has a tiny glass. What does that mean? Does it change the wine? Yeah, so there are traditional glassware that goes into – there's a history behind it. So, yes – and like today we're drinking from a burgundy glass, which is a larger bowl. It's, uh, it's not as tall as some other glassware, but it's, it's, it's got like kind of a, 
It's got a very female, sexy design to it. This is my favorite right? wine glass to drink out of. So this glass is designed for wines from Burgundy. So today we drank Chardonnay, we drank Pinot Noir. Those are from Burgundy. You would put those in a Burgundy glass. Again, if if a wine bar or restaurant has a bunch of different glasses and thinks, like we're, we overthink every detail in the businesses I'm involved in. So we like to have all of our bases covered. Some places just have a red wine glass yeah. and a white wine glass, which I argue is not enough personally, because not all red wines act the same. Not all red wines want to take up the same amount of space. Some red wines need more air to help them show the nuances. So a burgundy glass is for wines that are more delicate, more feminine, that they need the space to kind of live in. And then they're going to show a little bit more kind of pretty, delicate nuances to them where there's also, um, there's a million glasses you can have. I was going to ask how many, that was my follow-up question. There's a really famous company we're drinking from one of their wine glasses today called Riedel or Riedel in German. It more sounds like an L. Is this their symbol? I've been pronouncing it as Rydell. Like hi, Rydell, hi. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I'm glad that you just corrected me. Yeah. So Riedel or Riedel, it's, you say it like an L if you're speaking German, which none of us do in this country. We almost did after World War II, but mm-hmm. we didn't. That's, That's a another podcast. Yeah. It's a different episode. So um, they have, I think they have something like 75 different glasses they make. And a lot of them are named after specific grape varieties. And if you want to be a nerd and nerd out, they're the company to go to, to nerd out. But I argue that you can get by with a burgundy glass as we have here. And then the other is a Bordeaux stem, a Bordeaux glass, which Bordeaux varieties, all the grapes I'm about to say are from the region of Bordeaux, which all go in that glass, which is Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Malbec, Petit Verdot, Carmenier, um, Sauvignon Blanc, Semillon and Muscadel. Those are all from the Bordeaux region. So those would all go in the Bordeaux stem, which is taller, much more angular, and it focuses wines that don't need to take up more space. So they're not trying to show pretty nuances. They're just like, fuck you, here I am. Take it. This is what I am. Smell me. Right? So it's it's a much more focused grape, uh, excuse me, a much more focused wine stem. And If you have both of those stems available to you, it does not matter if the wine is red or white. What I like to do is break down the actual characteristics of the wine. And so wines that are much more pretty and feminine, I like to put in a burgundy glass. Wines that are much more masculine and kind of opulent and showy, I put in the Bordeaux stem. Okay. So I like the red wines from Argentina, like a good Malbec from Argentina. Why? Why do I seem to be drawn to those specifically? So Argentina is a place of high elevation, lots of sun. It's warm. The grapes get nice maturity. Water's not a problem there. So, you know, grapes are often, they're, they're well fed. Like they're, they're not starving. You know, it's like they're, they're pleased. They're, the, the life that they live is very good. So the wines that come from that tend to be rich, lots of fruit. Very smooth. So would those be a fruit-forward wine? Because I never understand when they say, like, do you like a fruit-forward wine? And I'm like, well, fuck, I don't know if I like a fruit-forward wine. But I like, Isn't it I like fruit, of, so I mean, maybe. I like wine. So in the case of a fruit-forward wine, in this case, like, fruity is something that's not a four-letter word. It's not negative. It's not like, if I like fruity wine, then I'm, I'm not sophisticated. What you like is what you like, and it's totally okay. Like, some people love Lady Gaga, and that's super cool. Like, you're allowed to like her music. We're seeing her for New Year's. Mm -hmm. I love Lady Gaga. That's what I'm saying. Like some people love the Beatles and that's all they listen to. And that's, you know, it is what it is. So, I mean, you know, you can be a jazz head and listen to music no one's ever heard of, Mm -hmm. or you can listen to the most commercial thing there is. It's not whether or not something is cool or not, but I think oftentimes like it's common for someone to hear fruity and think that's negative. 
right? So yeah. what I say is you like what you like, taste it. If you respond to it, it's positive. So yes, Malbec tends to be more fruit forward than not, especially mm. from Argentina, but it's from Bordeaux originally. So something that might be fun for you is to go back to an old school version of Malbec, which is actually in its origin called Co, C-O-T, with a little hat on the O. Oh, and, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. And so that variety- Like Cote or something? That's no. a little different. Okay. That's never mind. Cote d'Auron. Got it. With, a t- yeah. with an E on the end. But uh, yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. Coat means like slope, hill. Got it. Yeah. So embarrassing. No, so no, 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 no. <laughs> now it's my turn to French. Right? French is hard. Yeah. No, this is good. Thank you. Um, but Malbec in its origin from Kaor, C A H O R S, is much more earthy. It's not as fruit forward. It's a little bit more farmer wine. So it might be fun for you to try a Malbec from Argentina and a Malbec from Kaor outside of Bordeaux, and then really see the difference between something fruit forward, Argentinian style, and something a little bit more mineral, earthy from Bordeaux. There you have it. I like it. Can you recommend something for me, a Pinot Noir drinker? Mm -hmm. Who, um, I mean, I know it's a, you know, very... I, what what should I try? So a couple really A&F delicious things. Yeah. Tell the cheese. <laughs> I got you. So two, Kayla was also up with the baby at four a.m. this was, morning. I was good times. The wine is real important right now. <laughs> yeah. Mother's yes, milk. Yeah. Um, so a couple things for you to keep in mind that are findable. Like I don't want to send you on a wild goose chase and have you not be able to get things. But so a, a, a kissing cousin to Pinot Noir is called Gamay. So it's also mm-hmm. from the Burgundy region. It's the main player in the Beaujolais region. I love the Beaujolais. That so is actually the region. Whenever I see it on a menu, I yeah. order it. So Gamay is the grape in Beaujolais. Amazing. So okay. that's a good aside if you like Pinot Noir. A second one is one that I'm on a personal crusade to get more awareness around, which is called Sunso. Sunso. C-I-N. Is it, is it dorky if I write this S-A-U-L-T. Down? And Sunso from both South Africa and also from Chile really is incredible. And having, I got to visit both um, South Africa and Chile this year. So I'm trying to give a little bit more attention to both places, but those drink kind of lighter bodied, not super heavy, delicate, sometimes fruity, not over, not overly fruity. And they're a good Pinot Noir adjacent wine to try. Thank you. Pleasure. Um, So like an actual champagne versus a sparkling wine. Why is there so much controversy? Mm -hmm. And kava. Can kava be part of that too? So champagne is a place. It's Mm -hmm. protected. They had a big lawsuit that they won. And so what that did was it protected the name champagne. You can only have champagne on a label. If you're from the region of champagne where grapes grow, it's an hour on the TGV, TGV from Paris. It's not far from there. It's a very famous region where wine is made. And so... The concept of champagne, we use analogous to just sparkling wine in the world, and that's having to change because sparkling wine is a category. Champagne is a specific place under uh, sparkling wine. So they make sparkling wine in a lot of places in the world. Famously, they make cava. That's a Spanish version, and they're actually changing the law right now on cava. So that's unfolding as we speak. Um, They make a lot of sparkling wine all over France outside of there. And they have another word for that. A sparkling wine made in France that's not from Champagne is called Cramont. Mm. Can you spell that for us? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) C-R-E-M-A-N-T. C-R-E-M-A-N-T with an accent over the E. So there's Cremant d'Alsace, Cremant de Jura. There's um, Cremant de Lemieux, which is actually the region where sparkling wine originates. They've been making sparkling wine and understood sparkling wine longer there than in the Champagne region. Just not as famous. They don't have as many marketing dollars there and the wines are not as expensive. So uh, Cremant de Loire, another famous one. Um, So we should definitely look for these. If it's... Champagne's expensive. Let's be honest. It's not, it's a luxury product. And um, 
you know, another thing to touch on, like the tariffs that are going on, Champagne's already taxed at a higher rate than other sparkling wines or other wine in general. And now they're proposing another 100% tariff wow. from our why? current administration oh, okay. on all these wines. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. The, the answer why, I, I can't give you a real answer, but mm-hmm. what they're arguing is that it has to do in response to... First off, it was Airbus and the subsidies for Airbus's taxation. And then now it's um, France is taxing Google and Facebook at a higher rate for these weird security internet things that I don't understand. It's not what I do. But the response from this current administration is, well, fuck them all. Let's make the wine doubly expensive. And what it's going to do is put people out of business. That's what my husband's question was, is what wine should we buy now before like the tariffs are really in play? And then also, if we want to just, unfortunately... Like, if you want to still buy a really good bottle of wine, once these tariffs are just roaring their heads, then yeah. where should we shop for wine? Where are other places that people don't really think to buy wine? So places what that, regions? Places that won't be affected by it, that'll be a good place to kind of put your investment future would be South Africa, Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, New Zealand, Australia, Um the wines from Morocco are becoming more available. I got to go there last year with my friend DDA, who's a, the national importer for a bunch of estates from there. Um, I had tasted recently some cool wine from uh, from Tunisia. That's super weird. And, you know, it, what's ironic of that, it's on the Mediterranean, just south of Italy, just south of France. A lot of Italian and French winemakers have moved there. So there's all this cool stuff happening, and they will not be affected the same way. The, the tariffs are going to be to the EU. So, like, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Austria, um, Croatia, Slovenia. Those wines, if the proposal moves forward, are going to basically be unattainable for most people. It's going to put a lot of people out of business on the import side. It's going to take the EU has all this money that they earmark to use for like PR campaigns and marketing dollars. That's all going to go away. It's going to be decimated. It's going to change our industry so dramatically. So in the last day and a half, two days, a lot of really great restaurateurs and people who are on the um, on the import side have really banded together, joined forces. And I'm doing as what little I can, being not the center of it, but like I'm watching all these great people who I respect trying to put a proposal together and sign petitions and get the government needs to understand this is a terrible idea and we can't be reactive like that. It doesn't make Google and Facebook less valuable for them to get higher taxes. But in order to tax wine, cheese, and all these uh, kind of um, agricultural products from the EU, the way that they're proposing, money is going to be lost in a way we've never seen before. And I need to do a little more research about this, but I was told by someone who I trust that one of the greatest reasons that the Great Depression happened was a tariff uh, increase sure. that happened. So I'm worried that we're unfortunately not learning from history. And I mean, our current administration doesn't even know what history is. So mm-hmm. why would you read a book? <laughs> Why would you listen to someone telling you facts? When you could listen to a podcast. What? Ooh, listen to podcasts. But what I do appreciate about wine is that it brings people together to have discussions like this. Wine and is it, community. It, wine is community. It's, it, it brings a meal together. It brings a celebration together. It brings strangers together. Mm-hmm. It brings wine tasting together. It breaks down borders. It makes you understand a culture better. It brings you to a beautiful place. It makes you understand why three generations ago, someone might have planted grapes in the ground. Everyone thought they were crazy. Why they leveraged their last dollar they had for the future. Honestly, when you, when you get to know people who are winemakers and vigneron and people who grow grapes – they don't look at themselves as owners. They look at themselves as custodians because often when you're growing a vineyard, you're not growing it for you. You're growing it for your child or your children. Mm. 
and then their children, because it's something that gets passed down. So long as the land is owned, so long as bills get paid, so long as you're being mindful to the area and to the agriculture, this is something that will pass through many generations. And I'm lucky I get to go to places that on the short end, like, you know, I was at a vineyard called, uh, or a winery called Casa Silva back in Chile last Saturday, and they planted their vines in 1912. And I got to Mm. walk through the block that was the original planting. I've also been to vineyards in, um, in Germany where they were originally planted in the 1700s and they're still there. Now they're not the same vines, but the actual hill is still there. And in some cases, I mean, I've, I've seen vineyards in Australia that are the oldest Cabernet, oldest Syrah and, um, and oldest, uh, what else? And oldest Riesling on the planet, unchanged, same vines. Cabernet, it's like to 1840, 1850. Wow. It blows your mind. Think of that. I mean, yeah. that's that's five generations, four generations of, of families. Yeah. And they're still there, still producing fruit, still able to make wine. That's incredible. It's a custodianship that's very important in this world. And I think, you know, we're all so busy in our lives, all worrying about what suits us best and how we can get ahead. Sometimes we forget there's so many things outside of us that we need to slow down and just pay attention to. And what wine does, it's kind of like I'm a vinyl guy. I love music, but I love listening to a record on vinyl Mm -hmm. because you don't get to fucking skip the song. Mm -hmm. You don't go to the hit. You listen to the songs the way it was sequenced, the way the album was made, the way they scrutinized over the sequencing. And wine, sitting at a table and having a bottle of wine, it's one of the reasons I don't like aerators and I don't like things like the gimmicky things. Open the bottle, let the bear come out of hibernation, Mm -hmm. and watch the journey the wine goes on, right? In order to go 100 miles an hour, you also had to go 10 and 15 and 80. It's a journey you go on. Don't take that away. You want to feel that pickup. You want to feel the shifting of the engine. You want to feel what it feels like to go through that change of velocity, and having a bottle of wine is very similar to that for me. Being a jellyfish, let it take you. Be more of a jellyfish. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I love, love that. Well, thank you, Matthew Kaner. Pleasure Thank you so much for um, filling us up with a lot of wine at 10 a.m. on a, on a Friday. Um, and also giving us the history lesson and your stories. And and th- this is this is everything that I don't honestly changed my entire mindset. It's on my, my a pleasure. bottle of wine. So thank Ho- you. Hopefully I gave you a little direction. Just a little. Yes, a just lot. A lot. All right. Thank a you. Little. Cheers. Hey, cheers, guys. Cheers. To 2020. I might need another glass. I know. I've I've mine too. By accident. <laughs> Sante, salut. As the creators of Clean Beauty, Bare Minerals is driven by a philosophy that makeup and skincare should make your skin better, not just better looking. That's why their best-selling original foundation is made with only five ingredients, all minerals. For Bare Minerals to be clean without compromise means good for skin formulas with proven performance. Upgrades to Clean Beauty products. Use the foundation finder at bareminerals.com to find your perfect match. Get 20% off when you use the promo code CHALLENGED. Bare Minerals, the power of good. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. 
That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.